Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome back to another edition of the 12 Questions Podcast. My name is Jeff Gluck. I'm a motorsports writer for The Athletic. And each week, I ask the same 12 questions to a different race car driver. Up next is Chris Busher of RFK Racing, who heading into the playoffs had won the last three straight NASCAR oval races, if you can believe that. Originally, it was supposed to be Harrison Burton in this next spot. But after Chris Busher won at Daytona, I was like, you know what? He's the uh, the hot hand right now, so let's get him on the podcast first. So we will do Harrison Burton next week after this. But I got to tell you something. Chris Busher, he might be one of the top five funniest people among the NASCAR driving core. I mean, you wouldn't know it. You wouldn't think it like, oh, he doesn't say much. He's kind of shy, quiet, reserved. But he is sneaky funny. Uh, this interview, I thought, was had some hilarious moments. So I hope you'll enjoy it as much as I did. All right, everybody, I'm here with Chris Busher for 12 Questions. Chris, how are you doing today? Pretty good. Pretty good. Good. Uh, so the first one is, um, you must pick one chore or obligation to do every single day for a year, but if you make it the entire year doing this, you never have to do it again for the rest of your life. What would you like to, like, knock out forever? Mm. Um, I thought that was going another way, so I was, I was going to say, like, I, I don't mind mowing the lawn, so I could do that every day, but then uh, that's when I don't mind, so probably... Probably washing windows. Washing windows. You're yeah. the first person to say that this year. Washing windows. First one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, why? Why? Uh... It's because you never think about it when it's nice outside. It's always hot, and um, I'm not very good at it in the first place. So if I could do it, do it for a year to where they stay clean going forward, I'd be all right with that. And currently, I don't have any windows that are any higher than about six or eight feet. Okay. And um, and that's soon to not be the case. So that would certainly put me in a much better spot for the second story windows. So Chris Busher might be looking for a window washer if you're if you're a window washer <laughs> listening to this ad. Uh, maybe, maybe. Um, can you describe how you are as a passenger in a streetcar? Uh, I am terrible. Oh. Um, I I have trust issues. Uh-huh. Um, I get sick in the back seat of most vehicles. And I end up like leaning way over to look through the middle to be able to see out the windshield. So I don't do good in the back seat at all. And then um, in the front seat, I'm not terrible, but uh, it's funny. We, man, my wife were just having this conversation this week, two or three days ago. I said, "Do I ever scare you? Like, I feel like I ride the white line because I don't trust people in oncoming traffic. So I am constantly and drive a dually every day. So one tire sticking over in the dirt all the time. Hmm. And uh, she said, no, I'm just used to it now. I'm like, okay. so Because when I ride with other people, I feel like I'm you know, in the ditch on the yeah. right side. So I, I'm, I'm not a great passenger, no. So you're really hanging her out over the, into, the, into the side of the road, basically. Yeah, most of the time. But, but it's to prevent the oncoming. Hit. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I figure I can control my own destiny on the right side. Right. No, that, that so, honestly makes a lot of sense, pretty used given to how crazy people are. Really close to, to track limits. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> 
What is an app on your phone that you love using and think more people should know about? An app? Can I pull it out? Sure, yeah. Can I, can I take a look here? I want to yeah. see um, see which one I end up using more than I, than I realize. My first page is all work stuff, so that's not as much fun. Uh, I have the same phone case as you. Oh, no, so slightly different. Mine is a disaster, man. It is ripped, falling apart. It's time for one. I, I use a, um, I use a, a speedometer app. Really? Because most of, I'm a little bit of a redneck at heart still. And so I've got different size tires on all my vehicles. And so none of them read accurately. So I run a, a, a speedometer on my phone most everywhere I go. Because I did get a driving award several years back. Oh. And uh, turns out my speedometer's off by about nine miles an hour. Wow, that's that's not a small difference. No, no, and like... I was um, I, I was informed of that in a not so nice way. Hmm. <laughs> they probably so. didn't even believe you when you said. Uh, that. He he understood when, when I started talking to him, and uh, and he's like, yeah, that's that's a problem with doing this to stuff, you know. And I was like, okay, well, I, I knew it was off a little bit, but my bad, wow. my bad. I actually never knew that was a thing, so you just educated me. Okay, see, I didn't see. know that could happen, so that's something that, to That's watch. why our pit road speeds can vary so much. You get, mm. get tire diameter off by just a, a fraction of a spot, and there we go speeding, so. Wow, wow, you know, interesting. I didn't okay. get that far into depth with the officer. Yeah. yeah but uh, <laughs> He didn't want to hear that, I'm he, sure. He really didn't anyway. He wanted to write me that, that ticket and go on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, what do you do to make yourself feel better when you're having a crappy day? Uh, go work. Um, yeah. Go shopping work and go out in the garage and, and tinker with something. Um, almost always helps. Almost always. Go find something. Uh, half the time, it's something that's just going to make you mad at the end of the day anyway because you can't get it done right or it's been, uh, been bothering you. But even with that being the case, usually helps you feel a little bit accomplished. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so I'm, I've asked readers to give me like advice column questions, like a Dear Abby type question, life problems they're having. They're all anonymous, and I'm mixing them up for each person. Um, this one is maybe one of the toughest ones. I don't really know even what I would say here, so good luck. Okay. <laughs> so this person says, I'm having issues with a coworker, and I'm her supervisor. We work in transportation, and only two people in the company know her job, and I'm the other person. I've tried being polite, helpful, and supportive, but she has been insubordinate. Even though there's a case to terminate her, I would hate to do that because number one, losing your job sucks, and number two, I'd have to add her job to my responsibilities. So how can I go forward and work with this person? So first thing that comes to mind is their interpretation. Is this person like driving mm. around? Is it? Is no, this, it because sounds like I think there was, there was a part I cut out that said they. They work remotely and they're in different states. So okay. I assume All right, that maybe gets they're more very coordinating difficult. the trucks or something. I'm gonna say like if they were driving a vehicle, then you know, go run into the side of it and blame it on them and then, <laughs> you know, maybe that helps change the situation. That is a terrible answer. That was that was wrong. Um, don't listen to that one. And uh, and round two, only two people know this job exists? No, only two people know how to do the job. Only two people know how to do the in job. In the company. And, and the other ones? Her and the person. Okay. Yeah, the supervisor. So, like, if he let her go, then he's got to take all of her responsibilities. Yeah. So, it's like a lose-lose for him, too. But so, she's not doing a good job. So, I don't know what to do. I mean, a not good job is typically worse than 
no job being done at all, right? Mm, that's a good point. Like that's that, a really that's, good point. That's the only the, the the old saying of doing it wrong is worse than than not doing it at all because you have to redo it anyway. Yeah. So if it's to that point, at some time you gotta make a decision. But I'm, I'm with you. Losing a job sucks, and never want to be a part of that. And I would hate to be in that situation too. So maybe come back to. Well, no, they're not driving. Can't can't do my first answer. <laughs> so, no yeah. good answer there. But uh, if it's being poorly done and you got to redo it anyway, sounds like you're already doing two jobs. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I mean, you can train somebody else. It's not going to be easy, and you hate to fire somebody. But if they're not doing the job, if like, they're just making sorry. it miserable. Then, yeah. then something's got to change, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. All right, so this next one is sort of like a life dilemma type question we encounter in everyday life. That one life, sounded so. like a life dilemma. <laughs> yeah, that was too, yes. So let's say you're driving, somebody's following you too closely, and you're on like a one, one lane road, right? So like yeah. you're going around the curves or whatever, and they're like on your butt. So like what's the play here? Like do you speed up, slow down, like brake check them a little bit to like give them a signal? What, what are you supposed to do? Uh, is this like what I do, what, what I should do? advise yeah. somebody to do? I'm... Um, if I'm running my normal five over the speed limit, then, uh, then I feel like I'm already doing a pretty good solid. So, um, I maintain, I'm, I'm not worried about it. It doesn't bother me none. Um, there, it's their problem. That's their problem. Yeah, and you might even be doing 14 over based on your speedometer. Could, could have been, you know, don't <laughs> even know. So, um, there's passing passing zones for for a reason. If they need to use it, then they can figure it out. But I'm not changing mine to uh, inconvenience them or to accompany them. That, that's not my job. So um, I'll have situations. I've been pulling trailers where we're a little sketchy or something, been considerably under the speed limit, and I would try and slow down and let them go in a passing zone or something. But um, typically, I, I don't let it get to that. If I'm uh, if I'm pulling something, I'm strapped down to where I can I can run my typical couple mile an hour over okay i like that this makes it sound like i'm not a law-abiding citizen this whole whole interview is getting out of whack here not good it's it's not your fault it's the tire's fault that's right that's right (laughs) so uh this next one's a wild card question so your daughter charlie is almost nine months old now um so what have these nine months as a parent taught you about yourself um i'm more patient than i thought i was yeah um in that I care a whole lot less about what other people think uh, than maybe I realized in the past. Um, for me, it uh, is a learning experience every day. And, um, and I will say Charlie is great, and Emma does fantastic with her. She's well-behaved. We go out, and she's been in public places a lot, in public situations. She's not loud. Uh, you know, She'll kind of babble and talk a little bit. And... Um, Emma doesn't typically worry about other people's thoughts, um, but she'll always kind of, kind of hush her a little bit more around. Like, I'm with you on this one. Like, it doesn't matter. Nobody's upset that she's babbling a little bit here or there. It's not piercing. She's not screaming. It's like people are fine. Like, it's fine. We're, we're not. Uh, you know, there, there's a level, right? No one wants to hear a screaming baby next to him, but she mm-hmm. doesn't do that. She she does very well in public settings. So. Uh, I've very much gotten to the point where, as long as she's within reason, I don't care much about what what other people may or may not think about it. And from what I've seen, people just like to interact with her anyway when she is cutting up a little. So yeah, um, and certainly 
having to be a little bit more patient along the way. Um, not that it's too bad. Like I said, she's very, very well behaved, and Emma Emma's, uh, does fantastic with her, and she's become a whole lot more patient than I ever thought she could be as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's that's two two bigger things. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a four year old and a two year old, and I think like you, I was really like at first. I was probably on the side of like, oh my gosh, like we're making a scene or something. Right. But then you realize, especially other parents, like anybody right. who's a parent, like they're like almost the other way, like, oh yeah, no, it's all good. Yeah. Like they want to let you know. There. Like, right, right. <laughs> it's the yeah. people that aren't parents that can get irritated quickly, but it's, yeah. sorry, like, it's just, it's what are you supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you think about like, everyone's been on a flight, everyone, most everyone's been on a flight, or screaming baby in the row behind you, Yeah. and you're sitting there like, really? Like, yeah. I got I got this lucky? And, um, but even then, like, I've never been in a situation where I'm about to turn around and say something to somebody about their screw, like, I, I know that it's hard. I tell you what I have learned is, uh, babies are not, like, that screaming, crying age near as long as I figured. Mm. Like, before... Charlie, I was like, oh, this is like a two or three year process where, you know, it's just going to be crazy travel. And I, no, that went by after like four months. Right. <laughs> like right, we were right. already moving on to the next phase. So, uh, certainly understanding from, uh, from a lot uh, of other people's perspectives now being a parent, um, and, and realize how, how, uh, everybody was trying to do their best in those situations. Uh, and, and glad I didn't. Glad I didn't lose my mind back in any of those situations because I would I would look back on my, my former self if that would have been the case and been uh, really upset at, with with myself at that point. Yep, I, I hear you for sure. Um, in your career, what is the deal that came closest to happening that ended up not working out? Probably two different ones stand out. We uh, we went down to Chick Fil A's headquarters um, when we were extending racing at Roush. Um, spent uh, a good day down there in really toy facility. Uh, went through and uh, had a lot of conversations, and um, you know, felt like it was far enough along that that something may come of that. And I was a lot younger then too, so I didn't have a, as good understanding of our industry. But I felt like that one was a lot closer than it ended up being. Hmm. Uh, so that's one. And then um, I guess one that happened way before that uh, was actually before I, I got in the, the development program at Roush. Uh, was in talks with. Uh, Pinsky for uh, a development, a similar development deal uh, that was fairly close, but uh, was very difficult to work out. They were Dodge at the time, uh, was still living with uh, David Reagan's parents, and uh, he was driving for Roush. Um, you know, had just gotten into the six cup car at the time, I believe, and uh, was going to be kind of helping me along the way in my career. And uh, we got pretty far along the lines there, and. Um, uh, kind of got the point. He's like, man, this is going to be really hard for me to help any when it's, you know, a competing team, competing manufacturer, and um, you know, kind of had to had to pivot on that one pretty quick. Yeah. And, uh, fortunately, you know, was able to come in at Roush and, and kind of present our case, and um, was able to uh, to get in the program here, and, and it's turned out to be pretty pretty sweet deal at the end of the day. So it, it all worked out. But that one was um, that one was really close to to happening. And um, just smaller details. Again, I was really young, probably don't realize exactly where it was looking back on it, but um, felt like it was it was pretty close. Wow, that's really interesting. And man, the Chick Fil A car—I don't think they've, they've never had a, 
car. Have so they? Uh, they had an Xfinity car. Oh, okay. Um, Harrison Rhodes, I believe. I think it was Harrison Rhodes on the Xfinity I side. I remember that name. Um, yeah. But they would not go cup racing on Sundays. Oh, right, and, right, uh, right. We were Xfinity racing at times, so I thought yeah. that was the good way to do it. And um, so, yeah, it just it didn't didn't materialize. Huh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, who is a person you'd be starstruck by when meeting them? That's tough because I am not I uh, am not a big fan of in that way, I guess. I, I'm not really um, drawn into to meet people. I enjoy meeting people and, um, and talking with them and kind of understanding their stories. But I'm not just a really big fan of, of anybody that forgot to walk up to me in person would geek out, so to speak. Uh, maybe I'm kind of spoiled in the fact, too, I've gotten to meet a lot of cool people through the years. So, uh, you know, I, I guess maybe uh, early when Travis Pastrana was at Roush and, and did a little bit of the uh, – or I did a year there of Xfinity racing. Um, that was pretty early on in my Xfinity career at Roush. And uh, I was geeked out a little bit there because that was, you know, somebody grew up watching on TV and, uh, and, and I started on motorcycles, so – uh, I had a pretty good uh, good knowledge of Travis and his background, what he had accomplished. So that was that was definitely somebody that was cool cool to meet, and uh, ended up having a good time, uh, you know, getting to getting to know him through that year or two. Yeah, no, I bet I bet that was cool. Um, what is the single most important skill a race car driver can possess? How do you turn it down to one? <laughs> is uh, is the hard part there? Um, yeah part of me says you just have to have a certain feel for, for a race car I, I think that's it's probably the number one uh, you know without it you can you can do a lot of things right you can market well you can speak well you can uh, be as committed as, as anybody you can put in more time uh, but without a feel um, for what the race car is doing and what you need it to do to be faster I don't know if any of that gets you far enough hmm. um as just having uh, a certain amount of raw talent to be able to build around I, i'd say that's so, something about the feel of a race car and, and how to make lap time with it i think that's gonna be p1 yeah okay that makes a lot of sense uh what life lessons from a young age stick with you and affect your daily decisions as an adult uh a lot of different things through the years um one thing that that still sticks with me i um for a birthday got uh got a handful of gifts and um got two of one thing and so i decided to trade one of my friends for something else that that they had gotten for their birthday previously and um i uh, still remember how much that hurt uh my parents feelings at the time mm. and um that has certainly stuck with me ever since that make sure that um or at least honest up front and say that whatever if uh maybe it's something that, that you would like to try and change or, or return or anything like that versus keeping it just for the sake of uh, of keeping it to do something with it later and having them find out that way that was um i don't know if i worded that really well but but certainly hurting their feelings uh hurt my feelings a lot so try to be a little bit more upfront and, and just a little bit more understanding of um, if somebody's gifting you something. They've they put thought and, and effort into it. That's yeah. something that's stuck with me a lot. Wow, that's a great one. That's a really great one. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. 
Um, so each week I ask a driver to give me a question for the next interview. The last one was with Harrison Burton. He says, so there, there was the recent uh, Ford team building exercise that you guys had. And um, you were all playing blackjack, I guess. Um, and it yeah. was like for fake money and you could get raffle tickets and stuff. <laughs> and you were at a table with like Harrison, Sindrick, Todd Gilliland. Yeah. And he said they were being like really loud and he was like being really over the top and he couldn't, he said you were laughing, but he like couldn't really read you. And he wanted <laughs> to know if you were annoyed with them for being like super loud. No, I was, uh, I was studying. Oh, so they were over, they had been playing a lot longer at the blackjack table. And, uh, so I was a little later to the party and, um, jealousy kicked in a little bit. They were over there making all kinds of fake money. And uh, I was like, all right, I need to go figure this out a little bit and, and study what they're doing. So, uh, no, not at all. That was um, that was a good time. And um, I, they made a ton of money. And I think the best I can figure is me showing up as, as that fourth player. I think I was the fourth player threw the, uh, the balance of the game off because then they lost a bunch of money, <laughs> which may have been why they got loud, which I can understand. And then uh, come to the end of the night, we were all just – making very crazy stupid bets that um, we would never do with real money. I would never do with real money. I can't speak for them, but uh, ended up uh, ended up way to the good and then went over to Roulette with about 10 seconds left of our game night and, and put it all on black and, and hit. So uh, oh. so that that was a good night. No, the, the, uh, the last didn't bother me one bit. I wasn't you know, I was I was just taking in uh, taking in the game a little bit. Okay, gotcha. Uh, so the next interview I'm doing, I think, is with Kyle Larson. Do you have a question I might be able to ask Kyle? Dirt racing certainly comes to mind. I guess I would be curious. I would be curious. Um, he's obviously done a ton of open wheel racing, and uh, a lot of it, I think all of it, has been dirt open wheel. Um, how how he would compare the uh, the late models to, to the open wheel stuff, and if he has uh any any kind of preference to them in certain racetracks um hmm. it feels like get to uh to, to beat and bang a little bit more than than more similar to our cup races i guess versus uh the sprint cars um also how in the world do you make uh make a lap in a sprint car when everything moves so quickly hmm. um that one's always always a little puzzling to me and uh, and then thirdly um when he retires from sprint car racing, I feel like you're in the perfect seating position to be a bus driver when you're done. <laughs> so if that's like a retirement option or plan going forward, I feel like uh, it's like plug and play right out of sprint car, right into a bus. I'm not going to ride with him. As we've discussed, I'm not a good passenger, but um, I would trust him a whole lot more than, than most people have been on a bus with. Um, but at the same time, I do not trust him to, uh, to go the speed limit. So Right, that's a problem. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I threw about three of them at you there, but the old sprint car to yeah. bus driving path—it's the, the perfect career path. It feels <laughs> natural for a couple couple reasons, and uh, <laughs> and then very wrong for a handful of others. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an amazing answer. Thank you so much so, for uh, for doing this. As always, appreciate it. Absolutely, thank you. All right, everybody, there you have it, Chris Busher on the twelve questions, and if Kyle Larson is indeed next, I don't know how I'm going to ask him the the bus. The bus driver question. Have you ever thought about being, a, he's going to look at me like, <laughs> oh God. Anyway, uh, that should be fun though. And appreciate Chris Busher for taking the time to do this shortly before he won the Daytona race. Anyway, again, uh, Harrison Burton won, which was supposed to be originally before this one will now go next week. And then uh, we will 
roll them out in order, I would assume, after that. Also, right now, I really don't want you guys to miss out on a deal that we're having at The Athletic. I've really tried to not uh, plug The Athletic subscriptions unnecessarily, relentlessly, over and over. Um, So I'm saving them for when there's a deal like we have going this week, which is $1 per month for the first 12 months that you are a subscriber. So 12 bucks for an entire year. You get the NFL, NCAA football, baseball playoffs coming up. Of course, all the NASCAR coverage as well. All sports uh, with one subscription. Again, $1 per month for the first 12 months that you are a subscriber. So you can jump on that deal by going to my my Twitter, well, on my X page, I guess. Uh, Jeff underscore Gluck is my name there. And I have a pinned tweet with the deal that you can find right there. Uh, I think it's supposed to run for a week or two, so... Um, don't forget and try to jump on it. If you're thinking about becoming a subscriber, we really appreciate your support. Anyway, either way, thanks as always for listening. And I will talk to you next time on the 12 questions podcast.